0: Thanks for joining us for another Family Life Today program brought to you Monday to Friday by Power to Change. I'm sure you'll hear something today that could give you a fresh perspective on your marriage or family situation. Be encouraged as we join Dave and Ann Wilson.
1: So sitting down with a counselor during COVID. Oh, we're going here today? Was one of the best things I've ever done.
2: Why do you say I
1: that? Remember that? How many times I said I should have done this in my 30s. I should have done this in my 40s. So I wait to my 60s to re- I mean, I've been to a counselor before, but this counselor said, "Let's dive into your family of origin." It was awesome. You loved it. I did love it. Yeah, but it was so good that I said, "We're bringing Anne back next," and then we dove into your family of mm-hmm. origin. And there were light bulbs going off. Yeah, they really were. That were transforming for us in our marriage. And again, because they were so transforming, it's like, I wish I'd done this 20 years ago.
2: I don't think either of us understood how much our baggage from the past had affected us not only at the beginning of our marriage, but throughout our marriage. Like, we really were both dealing with stuff from our past.
1: Yeah, and we've got Bob Lapine back in the Family Life studio to talk about baggage in marriage. Bob, welcome back. I am just so glad that I don't have to sit here and think, how do I start today's program? <laughs> you didn't even have to think. It just rolled off your lips. Ann and I would look
2: over and like, where did that
1: come yeah, from? He is the master.
2: How How many... How many times did you say, welcome to family life Hey, today? Uh,
1: before you answer, I almost put it in my song, and I was <laughs> guessing it was close to 8,000 times.
2: Well, let's see,
3: 28 times 260 yeah, would that's what be, I yeah, yeah, that would be, I it's said over it a 7, whole lot of times. I'll yeah. just
2: say it again, just say it right now.
3: And welcome to Family Life today. Ah, you there it
1: is. <laughs> it just feels good, doesn't it? We'll never be able to <laughs> no, do
3: it we that won't. Good. Sorry.
1: Uh, anyway, you,
3: you guys are—you're absolutely right about this whole issue of family of origin. I was sitting with a couple a while back, and they had had a bad day. They were telling me about their bad day. The husband had been stressed out. He was frustrated. He said things he should not have said to his wife about his wife about their marriage. He had just let his emotions out and as much as what he said was kind of an exaggerated version of what he was feeling she heard it as the truth Mm -hmm. so she's walking away now with an imprint on her soul this is what he really believes so when he comes back around and he says i was stressed out she's thinking i don't know So as I started talking to them about this day and about all that had gone on and about why his statements had been so hurtful to her, she started talking about the family she grew up in and things her brothers had said to her, things her dad had said to her growing up, that now when her husband would get near a statement like that, You never do this, or you don't do that, or I can't depend on you for this, or you always, you know, those kinds of statements that come out in a marriage. When she would hear that from her husband, without her even realizing it, there are ghosts, there Mm -hmm. are phantoms from the past that get triggered. I hate to, that's almost a cliche anymore to talk about triggering, but it, it would bring Back to her soul. Here's what it is. Her husband had gotten near a scar area. Yeah. And it's still sore. And it's never been addressed. And she would hear it and she would think, he feels about me the way my dad felt about me. He feels about me the way my brothers felt about me. And she would start to project onto him things that weren't true about him or his feelings for her just because it all gets kind of mixed together in our psyche. And I think so often couples don't realize the patterns, the habits, how we learned to relate to another person, that all got imprinted pretty strongly in our family of origin, and it gets subconsciously carried into marriage, and then we find ourselves at odds with one another.
2: I would say it's not even a scar. I'd say it's still a wound. If we get triggered so much that we respond or we act in a way that feels like, wow, she's really out of control in her reaction or it feels like this is way bigger than I intended it to be. I would say, in my case at least, I hadn't dealt with the wounds in my life.
3: Most of us haven't.
2: I agree. We don't even know what they are. We
3: we grew up thinking those wounds were normal.
2: And they're in the past.
3: And and I I remember a friend of mine in high school, and his dad was bipolar. And I remember talking to him later about some of the stuff his dad had done. And I said, man, that's that's crazy. And he said, it just seemed normal to me. Right. Because he was my dad, and I thought that's what dads
1: do. I mean, it's funny. You know, we've said here many times, you know, our first exposure to family life was a weekend, remember, two weeks before our wedding. So we're sitting there as an engaged couple. We're getting married in 14 days. We honestly all weekend thought, we don't really need this. We were told to be here. This is nice, but we're going to have a great marriage. We love Jesus. We love each other. And think about this. If you could put a camera on our life in that moment, like hover above us like a drone looking down and say, okay, what's their past they're bringing in? Here's a guy, me, two alcoholic parents, adultery and divorce is my history, and sexual abuse in her past. Right. Of all couples who should be going, oh, boy. Oh, boy, we're bringing baggage in. We were that naive, and I think most couples are.
3: And so in that situation, it's now two or three years later, and Ann walks in and you say, you're looking really attractive tonight. And Ann thinks about the time when she was six or seven years old and somebody said something like that to Mm -hmm. her. And she thinks this is the same thing. Or Ann says to you in a moment of frustration something like, you know, sometimes I think we just don't belong together. And you think, I remember my dad saying stuff like that to my mom. And that's where we get near those scars, those wounds from the past. And unless somebody comes in and says we need to identify those, we need to address those, and we need to try to bring some healing to those wounds – they're going to continue to be tender spots and sore spots in your life and in your marriage. You know, it's almost a cliche in counseling when somebody goes in for counseling that somebody says, so tell me about your relationship with your mother, your relationship with your father. Well, There's a reason it's a cliche because there's so much imprinted in our relationship with our parents. What we were taught, what we saw modeled by them shaped us in a profound way and when we have some scars from that that start to get exposed in marriage, that can be a trouble spot for us.
2: Well, what did you experience, Bob?
3: I've looked back and thought, again, things I thought were normal. When I was 15 years old, my sister died in a car wreck. Mm. That's a traumatic moment in a family. I watched how my mom and dad processed that separately, how they processed that grief together.
2: How old was
3: she? Uh, She was 23, Mm. yeah. I remember a time when she was still at home when she was in high school. I was a Cub Scout and I was getting ready to go to the Cub Scout baseball game. The Cardinals, you know, it was Boy Scout Day with the Cardinals. So we were all going to the game and somebody was coming to pick me up. And and right before they came, my parents and my oldest sister were having a physical confrontation. The argument had gotten so bad that my dad was having to restrain, physically restrain my sister in the middle of of this. And That moment for me, I was seven or eight watching this happen with my older sister and just thinking this is uncomfortable and unpleasant and I'm glad I'm going to the baseball game. Mm -hmm. I'm glad I'm out of here. And then I kind of went away and I came back afterwards and we didn't talk about it. There was never any follow-up. So here's what kind of gets imprinted into me is like those things happen and then you just go away and then you never talk about it again. Mm. Right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And if that's your patterning, then you can learn how to cover up toxic wake stump. You just leave it over here and just, we won't go near that again. We won't bring that up because that was just unpleasant. And nobody wants to talk about that. And let's just move on. Well, we wish it was that simple. But little things can come up again where uh, you can become now so conflict-averse in marriage yeah. that anybody expresses conflict and and you want to back down and and I, I don't want, you know, we've we, we got to stop this right away as opposed to, How do we deal with this conflict? How do we be honest with our feelings?
1: Yeah. And you mentioned that in your new book, Build a Stronger Marriage. And you have a whole section on conflict. But man, I tell you, this section we're talking about right now family of origin issues, Mm -hmm. lies we grow up with. I didn't even know till last year when I talked to my sister, who's 10 years older, that when my brother died, I was seven, he was five. My sister said, I'm coming home from high school. I walk down our driveway. A priest walks out of our house and says, Hey, your brother just died. Mm. And Pam tells us this year, she said, you know, Mom never mentioned it. We never had a conversation about it. I never had a conversation about it. So, Bob, exactly what you just said. So I get married decades later and starts anything that feels uncomfortably. Guess where I go? To the driveway. I'm out of here. We've never talked about anything in my life. I think that's normal. She's like, you don't love me. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be in this marriage. I'm like, no, no, no. What are you talking about? I mean, this is huge. And this is where we're focused on some of the scars and traumas
3: of our families of origin. But there are are normal, simple things in family of origin that aren't really scars or traumas. It's just ways we learn to relate to one another. Mm. So in our family, one of the ways that we expressed affection for one another was by teasing each other. You know, if you had a good-natured, funny way of teasing somebody about something, you know, your your hair looks like it was you just walked through a wind tunnel. And I go, "Yeah, I know. I was we'd laugh about it and move on, right?" So when I get married,
1: <laughs> that's not
3: going to work. And I say to Marianne, "Man, it looks like you walked through a wind tunnel." And she goes back to the bedroom crying. I go, "I was just trying to be funny and fun with you and well, it's because in her family, you didn't tease like that. And in fact, if you said things like that, you were being Critical or helpful, but it was, it was hurtful.
2: Yeah.
3: We've talked often at the weekend to remember marriage getaways about the fact that when it comes to conflict, some people are avoiders and some people are spewers and the concealers. Yeah. Some want to fight it out and some want to uh, hide it all. These are just different patterns of relating to one another. How do we express affection? Why is it that some husbands almost never say to their wives, I love you? Why would a husband hesitate to say that? Well, you can trace that back most often to how was affection expressed in the family you grew up in. Mm -hmm. And this is where a wife who never hears her husband say, I love you, and thinks he doesn't love me, is discounting the fact that part of his family of origin programming was that you express it this way. I remember my dad... He would say to my mom, I love you. And my mom would say, I don't want to hear it. Show me. Wow. She didn't want empty words. Yeah. She wanted to see the actions that accompany that. So, what does that imprint on my soul? How does that carry over? What does that make me think or want or need? All of these things are a part of the suitcases that we bring into marriage with us, some of which we've never opened and looked at, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. right? But some of them are just, this is how we learned. You played college quarterback, you know that you had to have your throwing motion corrected at times. Yep. What came natural to you was not the best way to throw the football. So you needed a coach to come in and say, no, 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 if you if you take your arm back here or you spin it this way, or I, I don't know, because I don't know, I'm not a quarterback. <laughs> but you had to have some of the mechanics worked out so that you could throw better. What came naturally to you just from throwing the ball in the backyard was not the right way to do it. Well, what comes natural to us in terms of relating to one another, patterns we learned from the family we grew up in, that's not necessarily the right way to do it. And a little coaching, some mechanics to come along and say, you know, when you feel that way, when you think that, maybe instead of saying it this way, you should say it that way. Or maybe instead of saying anything, maybe that's something you take to the Lord and you keep silent about. Just some of those mechanics of relationships, we're trying to work out some of the kinks that we experienced as we were growing up.
2: I think one of the things that I loved that we did in our counseling was that we really did our life timeline on this big whiteboard. He wrote everything up. And it was interesting just to see all that Dave went through hmm. and all these light bulbs going off like, well, no wonder. And I think that's really healthy to do, maybe on a date night, that we just sit with one another and kind of go through our timelines of maybe the highs but some of the real lows because some people have never done that.
3: you got to feel safe with one another to yes, do that.
2: good point. And I
3: would say if you don't, then get a counselor to help walk you through a process like that because some of this stuff is going to pop up, and we're back to the scars, and we're we're near the wounded areas. So you got to be very careful about that. But, yes, I think for us to identify, first of all to identify, Mm. and then go back and say, okay, this is what I kind of default learned. Is that true?
2: What do you mean by go back and identify? Identify what? So to go back and
3: identify, as I just did, when I learned about my parents in conflict with my sister, and I thought, okay, so the way you deal with this is you just get some separation. You don't talk about it. So now I've identified that's the pattern. If that's the pattern, is that the right pattern? Mm -hmm. Is that how God's Word would have me address this situation? Is that the right way to deal with this? And then to address and say, no, that's not the right way to deal with it. There may need to be some some emotional processing that goes along with that, and come to a place where we go, my dad or my mom or my big sister or whoever it was that was processing these kinds of things, they had their own issues. I got to give them some grace and some distance and and learn how to let go of that, but walk away from there going, what I learned about how to do this is not the right way to do it. This is what Romans 12.2 says when it says, don't be conformed, Pardon the paraphrase. Don't be conformed by your family of origin issues, mm-hmm. but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and starting to think godly biblically about how this should work out.
1: Mm. Yeah, I know that sitting with that counselor, he sort of helped us identify beliefs we grew up with that as you look at them, just like you said, Bob, you've got to evaluate each one. There were several that were lies. They just weren't true. And again, should have done this in my 30s. So if you're listening and you're 25, you're 35, go. Hmm. Find a trusted yeah. counselor or a really good friend with discernment and wisdom and identify these lies. Because as I looked at sort of the dominant lies that I grew up believing, now I'm an adult man. I'm still believing them. And then Ann's, our 10-year anniversary story where Ann says, I've lost my feelings for you, they were in the lies. Right, right. It was like I grew up believing I have to perform to be important. So I'm on a stage. I'm the Lions Chapel. I'm doing all this stuff. She grew up in a home where she was not seen. Mm-hmm. She was literally told at the dinner table, "Hey, your day will come, but right now it's your brother's time. Just mm-hmm. be quiet." And then when the brothers left and went on to college, she never got the her day. Fear. Never came. Yeah. So I'm sitting there going, "10 year anniversary story. Why'd she say I lost my feelings? She didn't. She wasn't seen team. by me, mm-hmm. and I'm out trying to be seen by the world. If we could have identified that 20 years earlier, maybe we don't have to go through that."
3: Here's the other thing that I think couples are are not aware of, we bring with us into marriage some level of guilt and shame about our, our sinful past. And all of us have got a sinful past. Most couples come in not wanting to talk about that, not wanting to open up or share much about that. And I'm not suggesting that every couple needs to sit down with hard details about their past. But until we address and deal with the fact that, the guilt and shame we're bringing in, we're carrying in because we've never gone through a biblical process of confessing that this was sinful, of going to another person and seeking their forgiveness for this sinful behavior on our part until we can apply Romans eight one to the guilt and shame that we're experiencing. It will continue to be an issue in whatever relationship we have going forward. I say Romans eight one, that's the verse that says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we can say that verse and not believe it. We can say that verse and go, I know, but I, here's what I did. I did this. It was so bad. It's so wrong. I'm so ashamed. Okay. I hear you, and it was bad, and it's shameful. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I know, but how could God, here's how God can free you from that. Jesus died with that sin on his shoulders and put it to death for you. God, when he looks at you, he has chosen to remember that sin no more. So you're remembering something God has chosen to forget. You're still feeling shame that Jesus said, wait, I took this to the cross for you. Why are you still feeling this? Why is this still controlling you? And we have to get to the point where with that guilt and shame, we can identify it. We can address it. We can confess it. We can repent of it, turn away from it. And then we can experience the freedom that comes when God says, forgiven, restored. You're a new creation in Christ. I don't hold that against you anymore. There may be consequences of guilt or shame issues that we bring into marriage that are always going to be there, that have got to be dealt with, but the shame and guilt can be addressed through the finished work of Christ. There is a a hymn, and people at the church I pastor in Little Rock know that this is one of those hymns that it's in my top five. Who can have a favorite hymn? I mean, I love so many hymns, but this is in my top five. It's the hymn, Before the Throne of God Above, And in the second verse of the hymn, it says this, When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, he's the accuser of the brethren, Mm -hmm. right? Upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. I'm getting chills just Mm -hmm. reciting that Mm -hmm. because the truth of that is so liberating for anyone who is caught in a web of shame, inward shame, guilt, and that's a pollutant in a marriage relationship that will create conflict in marriage that has nothing to do with the marriage. It has nothing to do with your relationship with one another. It's just your guilt and shame, and you've got to have some place to let it spew, and so you spew it on one another and and deal with it in the midst of one another. That's, again, why we've got to identify these things, take them to the cross, apply God's Word and the truth to that, and then we can start to move in a new direction.
1: Yeah, I would say, Bob, hearing you quote the lyrics to that hymn, I want to encourage a listener who's been carrying some guilt and shame around for whatever reason, today could be your day. Right now, as you were saying that, I just envision a woman or a man, even a boy or a girl, getting on their knees and saying, you know what, God, I need to confess this, I need to receive your forgiveness, and I need to move on. And move on. If you want to get a shovel and go out in the backyard and bury it, do it, but live free. I mean, we are living free. It was a journey. It was a process. But there's nothing like freedom in Christ. And I think a lot of us in the church can say it and not experience it. You've got to, like Bob said, you've got to confess it, agree with God it was sin, give it to Him, lay it at the cross, and start a new life.
0: We want to thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as Power to Change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. If you'd like to listen to today's program again, visit our website families.powertochange.org.au and select the podcast tab where you will find the previous fortnight's programs available. We hope you can join us tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today.